0: Well, God is faithful. Boys and girls, you can be dismissed to children's church this morning. If you're heading on out, you know, now we've gone to three classes, so uh, we're releasing fewer from the worship service and more of them are starting over there, the young ones. But would you take out your Bible this morning and please turn with me to the book of Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. When you find your place, I'll join you there. We will stand and... Read God's Word together, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'll give you a moment there to find it in your Bible. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 1. Well, today we pause to celebrate the anniversary of our church as we're entering into 164 years of ministry here in this valley for Jesus' sake. You know, it's pretty amazing when you stop and consider over those years the lives that have been changed, the lives that have been impacted by the gospel through this congregation, 164 years. You know, I just think about it in this way. You're seated in pews this morning that were paid for and envisioned by a generation that has come behind you. And it really causes me, in light of that, to think about the impact and the investment that we are making right now in our generation. How is God using our lives to impact other lives for the cause of Jesus Christ? And every one of us have a responsibility to the vision of God in our generation. We all have a responsibility to that. And I think about that often as I just consider my place here. I think about my role in this church. And as I think about that uh, I'm the 32nd pastor in the life of this congregation over those 164 years, it causes me to remember that by God's grace, I won't be the last, all right? That there's someone who will come after me. If Jesus tarries, uh, someone who will come behind me. And all of us have this kind of responsibility to lay into the future of, of generations of what God is doing. And, you know, I think about that from my vantage point. Because in all those years of pastors coming and going for Catawba, there's one shepherd who hasn't left. There's one shepherd who hasn't left. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus, who has faithfully loved and shepherded and cared through his church, for his church, for our 164 years of existence, but, but, but it's actually far longer than that, because if you look at the gospels, you see Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I will build my church, not their church, not some pastor's church. Jesus said, I will be faithful to build my church. This is his church. Turn your neighbor and tell him it's his church. It's his church. You know, the scripture says in Revelation that that, that the people in the book of Revelation, as God speaks to those seven churches, he says frequently in every one of those passages, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches. You see, what's needed in our hour, what's needed in our generation is to have ears that will hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And and saying to us today, you know, there was a man who once wrote in to Billy Graham and he said, you know, for the last 2,000 years of the history of the church and the existence of the church, we see that there is still war and misery. The church is a failure. And Billy Graham replied back to him and he said, that would be like saying that penicillin is a failure when a patient refuses to take it and follow its directions, all right? But the church, he goes on to say, was not designed to stop wars or to solve misery The church was designed to grow in God's word and proclaim his gospel to lost souls. May it be so. So may we be faithful. May we be faithful in this day, in this generation, to glorify God by developing disciples who love God, love people, and influence the world with the hope of the gospel. May that not just be words, may that be the reality of why our church exists. May that be the reality of what we are doing right now in this generation is is proclaiming the hope of Jesus Christ so that lives can be changed to the glory of God. You know, today is a time for celebration. And in just a minute, we're going to celebrate like Baptists. You know how Baptists celebrate? With food, all right? And, uh, And they celebrate with food and lots of food. And so I haven't even been over there, but I can already smell it. Can some of you smell it? And, uh, and, and you know, we're going to celebrate with a meal, rejoicing in, what are we rejoicing in today? We're rejoicing in the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God to His church. And as we're doing that today in celebration, it's odd that we're actually going to be observing the spiritual practice that we are talking about today. Uh, today, we've been going through, the last number of weeks, we've been going through a series on spiritual disciplines. We've referred to it as rhythms of grace, and we're asking really the question, what is God's rhythm for your life and my life? What are the, what are the practices? What are the things that Christians do? What are these intentional, consistent practices that we will do in our life to cultivate a healthy soul? And, and the one that we're going to look at this morning is the spiritual discipline of gratitude. Gratitude. Our theme verse has been 1 Timothy chapter 4. I believe it's overhead. Would you stand with me? And uh, we'll lift up our voice and read this together. Here we go. Lift up your voice. Here we go. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily act is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise and also for the life to come. So we're talking about this discipline of training ourselves for godliness. And the way that we do that are through a whole bunch of different means, right? Through prayer, through Bible study, through corporate worship, for gathering with the body of Christ. But here we see this, uh, this morning, you've opened in your Bible also to First Thessalonians chapter 1. And we're going to consider this attitude, this, this, this really practice, this spiritual discipline of gratitude. Would you look at your Bible as you've opened it there? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, Paul writes, he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, consistently mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved of God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction." You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, and received the word in much affliction and with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but the faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven who is raised from the dead Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come father we thank you for your word thank you lord that in your kindness you have brought us here thank you lord that you have not left us thank you that you have brought us to where we are today and and now lord as we think about our lives and and our responsibility to others. Lord, may we cultivate this attitude of gratitude. May we, may we cultivate this practice, Lord, of celebration, um, that, that it causes us to not just think about the gifts that you've given us, but Lord, as we think about who you are. And uh, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. You can be seated. So in the scriptures, God has ordained in the life of his people these moments and times of celebration. If you go back in the Old Testament and just read through the Old Testament, you'll find God's people gathering in times of celebration. You'll find them gathering in feasts and dances and celebrations. And and really throughout the whole Old Testament, you find for the nation of Israel and God's people, God's instituting in their life and in their yearly calendar, these rhythms, these, these moments where they will pause and celebrate, Pause and remember. It's really what God gave as the example of Passover. The Passover was this opportunity for the people of God to remember what he had done. Remember, remember the, how Moses led the people across the Red Sea, delivered them out of Egypt. And so this Passover was this cause to remember what God had done. And that as they would gather around the meal and the time of celebration of Passover, it would have been a time to celebrate and to express their delight for for God himself. You know, gratitude really is to redirect our focus to what we have instead of what we feel we lack. Can I say that again? Gratitude is redirecting our focus to what we have rather than on what we feel like we lack. And Paul here in this chapter is describing gratitude for something. Did you catch it? If you look down in your Bible at verse 3, everybody look down in your Bible, notice what Paul says in verse 3. He says, we give thanks to God always for all of who? Who's he giving thanks for? Tell me, who is he giving thanks for? Who is he giving thanks for? Verse 3 of your Bible. We give thanks... To God, for all of who? You. Who is he talking about? The church. He's talking about the church. Some of you, food comes already set in this morning, all right? All right? We haven't even ate lunch yet. God, Paul says, we give thanks to the Lord for all of you. He's talking about the church. Now, who is this church? This is the church in Thessalonica. What do we know about Paul? We know that Paul was a missionary appointed by God to the Gentiles, And Paul, moved by the Spirit of God, was commissioned. The Spirit of God says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. God set Paul on this mission. And notice Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. And when he would enter into a town, he would always start at the synagogue. He'd go to the Jewish place of worship, and he would preach Christ so that some who would be there might believe in the Messiah, right? They had, they had believed in so much, but now Paul comes to really bring a fuller revelation of Jesus, and, and notice many did believe, and every, nearly every place Paul goes, you find him preaching the gospel to Gentiles, and churches are established, churches are begun. And Paul had this immense privilege of starting and beginning so many churches in the New Testament. But can I tell you, not all churches are the same. Turn your neighbor and tell them they're not all the same. You see, Paul Paul pastored and Paul began some works. And if you read in the New Testament, actually largely the New Testament that you hold in your hand are letters to some of these churches. And, And in many cases, Paul's writing these churches and he doesn't always have a good word to say. In fact, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, for instance, Paul had a lot to say about the church in Corinth that wasn't right. And so here's this church, and so as Paul's begun his ministry, he begins these churches, and then he goes back, and sometimes he's revisiting them, but he's sending them letters. And there were some churches, though, that brought Paul great joy. In fact, Thessalonica would be one of those churches. But then there were other churches that really brought Paul much joy anguish and, and many tears. You know, Paul uh, or the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we are to obey our leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch of our souls as those who will give account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be no advantage to you. And yet here's a church in the church of Thessalonica that truly did bring Paul joy. It was a group of believers that Paul had a deep love, a deep affection for. In many ways, as I read the book of Thessalonica and I hear what Paul talks about this church, I I often think about you. I think about Catawba. I think this is a special church. I think this is a special place. Y'all are some special people. And Paul had a deep love for the church. But why did he have this deep love? Because, well, they were faithful in the mission of God. We... We, we discover that, that they were faithful to proclaim um, the gospel. They were a rare exception. They, in many ways, were an exemplary church. Now, there's no perfect churches, right? Do we all know that? Some of you aren't convinced on that. You think there's a perfect church? No, there's no perfect churches. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's not a perfect church. But not all churches are the same, are they? You see, Paul, Paul, Paul knew something about this church that was different. This church had some evangelistic fervor. This church had some Christ-exalting worship. This church made an effort to honor God in their worship. This church was full of people who, who served the Lord. This was a scripturally, a doctrinally, healthy, sound church. That's what Paul says the church at Thessalonica was. And you know what? I've had throughout the years as people who have moved out from our ministry or have moved to other places and inevitably we'll we'll reconnect and we'll have a conversation. And and I tell you, like nine times out of 10, what I hear from people who have moved away from Catawba, they say, you know what? Um, It's hard to find another church. There's not a church like Catawba. They'll say that. There's not a church like Catawba. You know what I often say? First for me, I'm like, "I, I understand what they mean. But then I'm like, well, hang on a second. Like, it is the body of Christ, so we, we should be able to go and connect with other brothers, sisters in the Lord. But then I do kind of know what they mean, right? I know what they're, what they're expressing. There's, there's something about this place that's special. There's something about this fellowship that's, that's rare. And, and, and Paul had spent time at a whole bunch of churches, and he pastored and planted, and, but this was a church that he had nothing bad to say about. I remember years ago when I first came here, Jessica and I had just graduated college and came on staff here to be our youth pastor and serve. And and I remember Doc Mason used to tell me because he had pastored many churches and he had pastored like 45 years and he had planted churches and pastored churches. And he remember, I remember even as we were coming up to Canada, he would say, he says, you know, Aaron, out of all the churches I've ever pastored, this is the most loving church I've ever been a part of. And I remember him saying that and I thought, Okay, is that just the sales tactic to get me to come? (laughs) But then like we showed up and I totally get what he says. And now that I've had the privilege to pastor over a decade here, I know, I think, yeah, this is, I mean, I haven't pastored any other church. This is the only church. But I mean, I I dare say I talk to Jessica often. I I don't know if anything could come close to this. Now there's something about the love that Paul had for the people of God in Thessalonica. He said, we give thanks to God Four, and he talked about the church. This morning, I want you to think about the, the practice of gratitude in the Christian life. The practice of gratitude in the Christian life. Paul commends the church for three things. We're just going to look at three of them. Very simply this morning, they're all found in verse 3. Paul talks about three reasons of why he is so appreciative of this church in Thessalonica. You see it there in verse 3? Remembering before our God and Father, notice your work of faith, your labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. If you mark in your Bible, I encourage you to put in like a one, two, three. By those things. Notice the things that Paul is grateful for. He's grateful first for their work of faith. Paul says he remembers them before God, their father, and he's remembering what's coming to mind as he's thinking about this church who he so loves, he has a lot of appreciation for. What does he think about? He thinks about, someone tell me, what does he think about first? Their faith. Their faith. The Bible tells us that faith without works is what? dead. So it doesn't matter if you say that you have faith. Let's look at your life, and let's see if the actions of your life accompany the faith that you say. You see, you see, on our missions conference this year, we're talking about the messages more than words, and I want you to think about that, because it's not just what we say. Some of us can say things that sound right. Some of us can grow up in the church, and we can begin to say the Christian phrases. We can describe the Christian life, but but, but, but we can kind of academically describe the faith of God, and then, and then we're not living in faith. And Paul says, no, no, I'm thankful for this church because of their work of faith. They had come to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had come to not just be sayers, but they had become doers. Notice in verse 4, Paul says, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. He's talking about their faith. He's talking about their saving faith. Verse 9, how they turn to God from idols. He's talking about the moment in their life where they came to know the Lord. And, and Paul said, hey, you're not just a church that talks about Christian phrases. There's a reality that, that you've come to know Jesus. And Paul says, I see it in your life. I see your work of faith. It's, it's what Paul said in another place, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. And, and we think about that because we all, we've, through the study, we've been thinking about how God is taking us in moments of every day, and, and he's growing us in grace, and he's growing us in our faith, and he's, and he's changing us. And, and praise God, we're not who we once were when we came to know Christ, but, but God's changing us, and we're not yet what we will be. And Paul described that gap. How how many of you feel the gap in your life between what God, how God looks at you, and how you know that you really are? You know, like because Paul said, he says, "I am the chief of sinners." He says, "I'm the chief." he, He he's talking about not just the unbelieving world. He's talking about the church. I mean, he says, Paul says, he says, he says, "This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief." You see, Paul, Paul didn't only think of himself as the least of the apostles or the least of the saints. Paul says, I am the foremost of sinners. I am the greatest sinner. I am, I am the absolute worst. <laughs> and how many of you really know your life and you say, yeah, I think I can kind of resonate with Paul? You know, because we, we, we can come to church and we can put on a certain front and we can have people think that we're godly. But we know that we're about as worldly as can be. And if someone were to pry open the the week of our life and the thoughts of your life and the actions of your life, we'd we'd start saying, "Huh, oh, that guy's that guy's not good," <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, like, like seriously. Like, let's say let's say you took the whole church to walk with you for the whole week this next week. They woke up and they saw everything you did, and they saw what you did, and they saw where you went, and they saw how you talked to people. And then they were able to hear the things that you said to yourself about other people. How many of you would walk into church next Sunday and you'd be completely appalled, right? Yeah, I mean, it's reality, right? Like, Paul's like, I'm the, I'm the chief of sinners and yet Christ loved me and he called me and he saved me. And so Paul sees this gap and where some of us see that gap as a way to say, man, I, I, I'm just so unworthy of the grace of God. I'm so unworthy of his love. Paul used that to, to really magnify Christ. And he says, you know, I am the worst of sinners, but that just speaks all the more of the grace of God. Paul says it's, it's the grace of God. Jerry, you know, Jerry Bridges said it this way. He says, on our worst days, our worst days are never so bad that we're beyond the reach of God's grace. And our best days are never so good that we're beyond the need of God's grace. But Paul looked at a church and he said, you know what I'm thankful for in these people? I'm thankful for their work of faith. You know, as I'm here now, got the privilege to pastor here 10 years, like I said, and, and be here with you, I'm thankful for the faith of this church. I'll tell you what, I, I, I've been in more deacons meetings where we've talked about a vision opportunity and, and my heart has always kind of been like reserved. I wonder, I wonder what people think. I wonder if we'll believe God. I wonder whatever. And then I've just been blown away every time with just the faith of our church. The work of faith. Let's not, hold on, that's precious, man. Like, that's precious to be a part of a church that has a vision for what God is doing in the world right now, and and, and we're gonna have faith to believe God. We may not know how it all comes together. We may not, like, we may not add it all up and say, okay, that makes sense, but, but if we're willing to take a step of faith in what God is doing in our life and say, well, Lord, if you're leading us there, then certainly you'll be faithful to us there. Like, I was talking to the church last Wednesday night about this, and here's the reality. Like, some of us, you know, we've gone a year without an associate pastor, and and some of us have all mixed feelings about that, you know? Some of us are resentful, and some of us are hope-filled, and some of us are uncertain. And can I just tell you, like, if if God's leading the church, then we can have all the confidence to know that what we need, he's given. It may not be right now in the season the way you think, but God's providing, and he's faithful, and he will do. Will you have the faith to trust the Lord? Will you have the faith right now in this season to to trust what God is doing? And and, and the church in Thessalonica did. And Paul was grateful for that church. He said, when I think about that church, I think about a church that is full of faith, a work of faith. But notice the second thing, he says that he is thankful to the Lord. Do you see it there? For their labor of love. Their labor of love. Look at verse 9. He says how they turned to God from idols. Here's the key, to serve the living God. You see, if we're not serving other people, it's because you're not serving God first. You know, some of us think, man, I got to change the way I think about other people. No, you need to change the way you think about your relationship to God. Because if, cause, cause if you're really focused on serving the Lord with your life, out of that will just flow rivers of blessing to other people. You'll pour out your life to the Lord, and as you pour it out as an offering of worship to God, that will just pour out as, as like rivers of water to other people. People will People will be blessed by your service. They'll be blessed by your ministry. And, and here Paul says, Hey, I'm commending this church. I'm thankful to the Lord for their faith, but I'm thankful for their love. I'm thankful that, that they're a serving church. Can I tell you, I'm thankful you're a serving church. I'm thankful that, that, that we're a serving church. I, I'm thankful that this is a giving church. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people talk to me about need and opportunity and they've come up and they said, you know, Pastor Aaron, if you find out that there's a need for camp, if you find out that there's a need for whatever, just let me know and I'll, I'll take care of it. I want to give. I want to serve in that way. You know, like when, when we went through this transition like a couple months ago and I was like, wow, man, how in the world are we going to go from a full-time staff position down to like nothing and, and how, how are we supposed to keep on ministry? And I've just watched this year. As God has grown us and you have stepped and grown in our service to one another. I told the church Wednesday night, if God sends us a youth pastor tomorrow, amen, I'm ready. I'm ready. But I think God's done some things in our life this year that that, that he's done in in our love for others, and our service for others. It's it's been contagious. And Paul says, when I see that in the church, I I thank God for it. Notice in verse 8. This is an evangelistic church. Their love for the Lord had spilled out into their love for others. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Archaea, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we don't need to say anything. Paul's like, people know. People know the kind of church you are. They know your testimony in the community. They know of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just gone out. You know, I don't talk about Catawba a lot when I'm, I mean, I try to, but like, how, let, me hear, let me rephrase what I'm going to say. When, when I'm talking to somebody who's looking for a church, I often jokingly say with them, I know a great church, you know. But well, they know I'm a pastor and they, doesn't really matter. You know, it, like as a pastor, you, you can say anything you want about the church and then the people really still won't believe you, you know. Because you are like, you're pastoring it, right? Like what are you really going to say? But here's what I know. I know if they come here and experience the love and ministry of this church, it'll just be contagious for them. And until they step foot in, like, they're not going to believe, you know, but, but the word of that is like, God, like so, you know, our, our church has gotten a te- reputation in the years that this church has been here in this valley, community. Often think about what's the ministry of our church? What's the testimony of our church? What do people think about when they hear Catawba Valley? Do they think about a church that, that is full of faith, loves the Lord? Paul says he's grateful to God for those people. he says, notice in his prayers, he was grateful to the Lord for, do you see it? Their work of faith, their labor of love. Thirdly, notice the last thing, their steadfastness of hope. They had endurance. They weren't going to quit. They were going to keep on keeping on. When it got hard, they didn't quit. I mean, man, being homecoming Sunday, I'd sure love to look back in the life of the church through some hard moments. You think everything's always been a Basket of roses, you know, happy, like, you know, just all cheery and good, and do you think this church has ever gone through some hard moments? Some of you have lived through it, but you know what you saw? You saw the steadfastness of hope in the heart of people, to believe God for another season, to believe God for a new beginning, to believe God for something new on the horizon, and, and, and the, the word steadfastness is this Word in Greek, that means to lift up under. It's the idea that the Holy Spirit of God is lifting us up. He's bearing us up. If we'll be faithful to the Lord, the Spirit of God works this endurance in our heart. He works this endurance in the life of our church. I mean, 164 years is a testament not to us. It's a testament to the grace and mercy of God. It's a testament to his steadfastness in our life, his faithfulness. But Paul says, notice, I'm grateful to the Lord for all these things. You see in verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you. We give thanks. Turn to your neighbor and say, we give thanks. We give thanks. So today we're going to pause and give thanks. Today, I want, if you have not begun to do this in your Christian life, would you begin to cultivate this practice of gratitude? You see, gratitude takes us beyond merely acknowledging God to enjoying Him. It's not just acknowledging Him, it's delighting in Him. You see, when we think about the things that God has given, Paul was grateful for the church in Thessalonica, but there was something far more about his gratitude to God. Yes, he was thankful and grateful for these people, but it was the people, it was, it was what they had done that just magnified all the more the grace of God. Paul's gratitude for a faithful church created an opportunity to express worship for the giver of that good thing. So here's the thing, if there's anything good in our life, it's not from you and I, it's from the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's from the Lord. It's from the Lord. Anything good in our life, the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Anything good in our life. And so if there's something praiseworthy, if there's something to commend, if, if today we're going to celebrate something about our church, well, let's not just celebrate the what, let's allow the celebration of all of it to lift up our eyes and to think about the one who's behind us. To think about God as this great giver. You see, it's good to give thanks to God for the blessings he has given you. But it is even better to recognize in that blessing a God who has a generous heart toward his people. You see, some of us get hung up on the first. Some of us are quick to thank God for the good things. We're good to thank God for the blessings. But it's even better in the blessings to pause and to reflect upon God with a generous heart who has blessed you with that. My challenge to you this morning is to cultivate a heart of gratitude, to to cultivate in your life a quick response toward acknowledging what God gives you, but don't get hung up on the things Allow those things to reflect back on the giver himself. We are to give thanks in every situation, in every season. The Bible says we give thanks always for everything to God the Father. Colossians says whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this week, my challenge to you is in light of what Paul's saying, you and I would cultivate this discipline of gratitude. Let me give you three simple ways that you might do that this week. The first is this. List out daily what you're thankful for. Do you do that? Some of you might already have a habit of doing that. But, 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 but my challenge to you this week, every day of the week, you would pause at the end of the day and begin to write out, list out the things that you're thankful for. Maybe it's keeping a gratitude journal on my phone, I have a daily journal that I can keep on my phone. And one of the questions on that are, what are three things you're grateful for today? And I tell you, after you do that, like one day, it's pretty easy. Two days, it's kind of easy. Like after you start writing out the gratitude journal of what you're thankful for after a few weeks, you're like, I can't say Jessica Ashland in the Bible anymore. Like, right? Like I can't, I, I can't, I, I, I got to be a little bit more aware of the goodness of God in my life. And Lord, help me think about that. I want you right now to think about five things you're thankful for. Five things. And here's the thing, it can't be stuff. Because the Bible says that, that, that stuff will be moth-eaten and destroyed. They ain't eternal. So what are five things, people, circumstance, moments, what are five today that you're thankful for? Do You got it? And in every one of those things, it's it's a reflection of the abundant blessing and good heart of our Father that has given you those good gifts. He's given you those good things to enjoy. Would you reflect back to Him gratitude? Would you give Him thanks? Notice, write down daily what you're thankful for. Secondly, write down some verses about gratitude and just stick them everywhere. Stick them everywhere whenever I go visit somebody who is really ill and they're really full of faith, it's not uncommon for me to walk into their hospital room or into their bedroom and to find scripture verses just plastered everywhere. I remember when I was growing up, I've talked to you about my Aunt Vicki. She battled stage four breast cancer for many years, had four children, passed away a number of years ago. I remember going over to Aunt Vicky's house, and she was the most joyful filled lady. I, I, seriously, to this day, the most joyful lady I ever knew. Hard trials, deep suffering, but there was a joy that pervaded all of it. And you'd walk into her house, and you'd go into the bathroom, and you'd find a scripture verse. You'd go to the kitchen on the refrigerator, and you'd find a scripture verse. You'd, you'd go and open a drawer, and there's a scripture verse. I mean, they were everywhere. And she just meditated on the goodness of God. She set her heart on the joy in the Holy Spirit. Cultivate a heart of gratitude. Acknowledge every day the things that you're grateful for. Secondly, write down some verses that speak to the goodness of God. And then thirdly, talk about it to someone else. Talk about it to someone else. Share with them in word, over meal, in prayer. Just, just talk about the goodness of God. I did that the other week. Stephen and I had lunch together. Went and got some good old Mexican food, and man, he's gone through a hard season. It's been a season here. You know, everybody, it's all been things, and but man, just to be able to talk about the goodness of God, talk about what God's doing in their life, talk about what God's been faithful in, talk about how he's been working here. I'll walk away from that lunch, and I'm just so encouraged, you know, because there's something about talking about the goodness of God, There's something about sharing with someone else what God's doing. You're you're opening up for them now to not... So here's the thing. They're not just entering in to be grateful. They're entering in to be worshipful. Because now they're expressing out of what you're sharing this amazing goodness of God. So here's my challenge to you this morning. Is gratitude a part of your spiritual life? Is it a daily practice in your Christian life? to express your gratitude to the Lord out of a heart of worship for what He's doing. If not, take the challenge this week. Begin to cultivate this into the rhythm of your life, to, to create gratitude part of, your, part of your just daily thing. I mean, there's been studies done. It's no joke. There's been studies done. People that do that, and over like a course of weeks and months and years, their whole outlook on life is different because they've just cultivated this practice of gratitude in their life. Would you lift up your heart to the Lord and just worship today? Bow your head with me and thank the Lord. Those five things that mentally you just recalled to mind, as Jessica begins to play this morning, I want you just to take some private moments and thank God for those things. Thank Him right now, right now in this service today. Express gratitude, but express from your heart worship to the Lord. Thank Him for for these good gifts. Would you do that? Take a few moments right now just to call out to the Lord. Praise his name. Describe your love for him and what he's done for you. I wonder, would you express gratitude to the Lord? for what he's done through the ministry here at Catawba, through your family, to your family, and to others in your family. and I wonder how has the ministry of this church reached your life and impacted your life in a really personal way? Would you just express gratitude to the Lord for his church? Father, we praise you because you're so worthy of our worship. We praise you because you're the great God who gives good things to your children. Lord, help us to, to confess our doubts, our disbelief, moments, Lord, where we, where we become so cynical at, at life and we, we somehow forget who you are and what you're doing in our life. Lord, let, us, let that never be said. Let, Lord, may, may we cause to, call to mind frequently what you have done in this place, how your gospel has changed our life, and Lord, we would talk about it. Thank you for the privilege of what others have done, their steadfastness, their work of faith, Lord, their labor of love to bring us to this point as a church today where we can kind of call back in mind and say, like, look at those stones of remembrance. Think about what God's done here. Praise the Lord. Lord, help us in this new season. Help us today, Lord, to... To be people that are full of faith, full of love, and just full of steadfastness in the mission that you've called us to. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.